I'll be reading from Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and a government would be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Thank you, beloved. And before we get going, I just want to have a little time of prayer. I mentioned Roger Kalinowski had uh, part of his leg uh, amputated, and uh, he's feeling great. It was uh, wonderful. Both Karen and Roger are just very happy about the results and how he's feeling right now. Just continue to pray for uh, Errol Wolf as he recovers, and others that are listed uh, in the bulletin, Eunice West, Ruth Tollefson, Benedine Schneider, Roger Kalinowski, just mentioned him, Wayne Schumacher, uh, Wayne was here, I think, the first service, uh, Luella Carlson, Barbara Olson, Joan Meidinger. So let's pray. Lord, we lift up uh, all these names to you, and we especially thank you for giving grace to Roger. Lord, for just not allowing that infection uh, to spread, Lord, and just helping him out. And I thank you that they're feeling like your hand is upon them. Lord, thank you for Errol and continue to ask that you would bless him with healing mercy and others, Lord, that we have mentioned that are struggling with various things in their lives. Lord, I pray that they would find in you the Jehovah Rapha, the Jehovah God who can heal. You are the God who heals us. Lord, uh, so we just want to talk to our own souls and say, soul, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Don't forget all your benefits, who heals all your diseases. And Father, as we open our hearts to your love and peace, would you teach us what it means to adore you, to worship you? May we all, Lord, be preoccupied with Jesus this Advent season as we celebrate his birth and ponder in our hearts what it means to claim Christ as our leader and our forgiver and the lover of our souls. God, we know that there is a dark side to Christmas for many people. Loneliness from a death or a divorce or just distance, miles. Stress from the hustle and bustle of buying things that we can't afford. Fear that someone will drink too much or the kids won't like their gifts or the family dinner will end in arguing and bickering. God, we ask that you would replace the loneliness with a fresh sense of your love and that you would replace the stress with the knowledge of a Savior who invites us to cast all of our cares on him and that you would replace fear with a faith in the forever Father, the one true sovereign God who's got everything under control, who provides and protects and promises his presence through the flood and the fire. Finally, God, I pray for those here today who need to commit their lives to you, Jesus, to ask you, Jesus, to come into their hearts and to forgive their sins and to lead their lives and so that the love, joy, and peace that they feel would last longer than the month of December. Let every heart 
prepare him room. For we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I remember Tim Bradwish real well. He didn't go to our church, but he was our across-the-street neighbor. Tim was our neighbor when we lived in Stickney, South Dakota. And it's a small town of about 400 people where everybody knows your name and what you've been up to and who visits you during the week and who pours the coffee. And Anyway, we lived there from 1984 to 1991, and Tim was in junior high and high school during those years. And anyway, when Tim was about 15 or 16, his dad died suddenly from a heart attack in the spring of the year. And then three months later, Tim bought a real nice car. And he was out in front of our house showing me his car. And while he was showing me his car, some of the other boys came by and they couldn't believe that Tim bought such a nice car. And you could see the other boys that they were just turning green with envy and making comments like, boy, it must be nice. And I can still see the tear coming down Tim's cheek when he turned to all of us and he said, I'd rather have a dad. And he drove away, and he left every one of us speechless. That day, I believe Tim expressed the desire of all of our hearts, not only for a relationship with our earthly fathers, but for a relationship with our heavenly father. And the only way, the only way we can have a relationship with God our Father is through this child that was born, through this son that was given because that little baby boy would grow up and say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus would say in John chapter 10 to the Jews, I and the Father are one. And after that, he said, you know, after he said that, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus said, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And the Jews said, we're not stoning you for any of, any of these, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus said, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And Jesus said in John 14, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's no wonder that 700 years before the birth of Christ, Jesus the birth of Christ Jesus, that the prophet Isaiah said that this child would be born, this son would be given, and he would be called not only Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, but he would be called the Everlasting Father. How many of you would name your child Everlasting Father? I mean, is there anyone else in history that fits the description of Everlasting Father? I mean, this name is so awesome it tells me beyond a shadow of a doubt that this child would be God. This child would be God in the flesh, God with us. God is always Father. Isaiah 63, verse 16. You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from old is your name. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You're the potter. We are all the work of your hand. God is never mother in Scripture. 
Never. In some ways, he's above gender. I understand that. But he is never mother in Scripture. Yes, it does say in Isaiah 66, verse 13, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. So God can be like a mother in many ways, but he is Father God. It only makes sense, does it not, that the seed of God was placed in the Virgin Mary? Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus said in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we, I love this, and we, we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Isn't that something? When we repent of our sins, and we ask Christ to come into our lives, the Father comes too. Not just part of God, all of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We will make our home in your heart. This name, Everlasting Father, given to the Son, it's a beautiful picture of the Trinity, is it not? The Son being called Everlasting Father. Yes, three persons, but one essence. We've learned this in confirmation, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I call it Trinity unity. Listen to how Jesus prayed right before his death in John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. The Father is in the Son. The Son is in the Father. No wonder this child, this Son, is called Everlasting Father. Anyway, enough theology of the deity of Christ and the Trinity. Let's talk about relationship. Don't you feel like Tim in your heart? I mean, the ache and the need for a dad. Wouldn't you rather have a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father than just buy things or go through some religious motions or just pour yourself into a job? Listen, there is nothing this world has that can satisfy you. Oh, I'd rather have a dad. Let me describe the everlasting father for you. I mean, what is this everlasting father like? Well, first of all, this father is constant. He's always there. A better translation would be father forever. He's always father. Hebrews 13.8, my grandma Patton's favorite verse. You know, Jesus Christ, he's the same Yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant. He's not a workaholic. He's not an absent father. He is everlasting. He is forever. He is constant. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This everlasting Father. He is a constant Father forever, who does not change. The big theological word is the immutability of God. Immutability, unchanging. He doesn't change. He's constant. You know, in a world that is constantly changing, isn't it good to know that we have a God who doesn't? He's the rock of ages. He's the only safe place to stand. He's constant. But also this everlasting father is compassionate. You see the father in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 13, 
It goes like this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He doesn't always accuse. I mean, this is the Old Testament here. Nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And don't miss verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I see this compassion in Jesus. Don't you? I mean, the everlasting father, as he weeps over Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Can't you hear the compassion in his voice as Jesus, he weeps over Jerusalem. And I see this compassion in Luke chapter 15. The familiar parable of the prodigal son. You know, some call it the parable of the compassionate father. You remember the story. The younger son demanded his inheritance, and the father gave it to him. The younger son took the money and ran, you know, way off to a far-off country, and he wasted his money on wine, women, and song. He ended up broke with no friends. He's in a pig pen, a hog pen, and I believe it was in the pig pen that he may have felt what Tim said. I'd rather have a dad. I want my dad. I want to go home. And he decided to go home and say, you know, hey, I'm not worthy even to be called your son. And you can bet this father was longing to see this son again, probably waiting every day, looking down the road. And then one day, the Bible says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he was filled with what? Filled with rage? No. Was he filled with anger? No. It says he was filled with compassion. Compassion for him. The Bible says he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, kissed him. Hey, that's the kind of God that we have. He runs to us, not to punish us for what we've done, but to save us from what we've done. Bring the robe, bring the, <clears throat> the best robe, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf, let's celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost, but now he's found. I mean, wouldn't you want a relationship that is real and personal with a God like that. This everlasting Father is constant. Father forever, forever Father. This everlasting Father is compassionate. He weeps over Jerusalem. He waits for us to come home, and then he runs to us. But also, this everlasting Father is caring. He cares about you, you know, individually, personally. You know, he's not some, you know, distant, uncaring God, you know, way out there in this ivory tower that, you know, wound up the world and is just watching it spin right now from a distance. No, this is everlasting Father, you know, who left the ivory palaces of heaven. He came into this world and he became one of us. And that's what Christmas is all about, right? For God so loved the world. You know, he cared about the world so much that he gave his one and only, his only begotten son. A child was born, a son was given. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, who is constant, who is compassionate, who is caring. And he cares so much that the Bible says in Psalm 68, 5, 
that he is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. And you know what? The Bible says if we have a relationship that is personal and real with an everlasting father, we too will care about the fatherless and the widows. And what does James tell us about true religion? In James chapter 1, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts is pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So what are we doing for the fatherless in our church? What are we doing for the fatherless in our community, those orphaned for whatever reason, either here or abroad, in other countries, you know, orphaned in Africa, Kyle just talked to us a couple of weeks ago about Project 117, orphaned in America, he's talking about foster care in America and adoption in America, orphaned in Nicaragua, do we care? I'll never forget going uh, with Sam Graff, Pastor Sam Graff, to a Kiwanis Club meeting in 1979 in Millbank, South Dakota. And if it wasn't for Sam, I wouldn't be in the ministry And that's uh, another story, and many of you have heard that story anyway. But Sam was leaving uh, Central United Methodist Church in Millbank after 13 years in Millbank, and they had asked him, the Qantas Club had asked him to address the Qantas Club, uh, which he was a part of, kind of his going away speech or his swan song to the Qantas Club. And I can remember Sam, I rode... Uh, there to that restaurant with Sam, and right before we got out of the car, he kind of was breaking up a little bit. He says, Dave, would you just pray for me? He said, I'm going to say some things I've been thinking about for a long time. Well, Sam got up there, and he gave some words of thanks and appreciation and well wishes, and then he got to his point. And he said, the Qantas Club is supposed to be a service organization, And for 13 years, I've sat around these tables and listened to speakers just like you and have done nothing. And I apologize that I have helped turn this into an eating club instead of a service organization. Then he proceeded to tell them that earlier in the week, he had gone to the school superintendent. And right now, uh, Tim Graff, his son, is the superintendent of schools in Millbank right now. But he went to the school superintendent way back then in 1979 And he got a list of all the boys, some 70 boys that did not have a father. And he challenged everyone in this Kiwanis Club to take just one name and spend a little time with that one name, that one boy, sometime during the year. Take them fishing, take them to a ball game, out for a Coke. Is there a fatherless child that you know that you could care about? What about widows? Are we doing a good job taking care of widows here at Calvary? A religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. God, our everlasting Father, he cares about us. He cares about the fatherless. He cares about the widow. And he also cares about our character. Listen, he cares enough about us to discipline us, to correct us, so that we will become more and more holy because he's holy. The letter that was written to those Hebrews 
We just went uh, through this in our men's Bible study in Hebrews. It was written to people who were undergoing some severe persecution, hardships, trials, suffering. Their stuff was being confiscated. They were finding out that living for Jesus wasn't always peaches and cream, all roses and no thorns. And so the writer of Hebrews quotes from Proverbs chapter 3 in the 12th chapter of Hebrews, verse 5, and I quote, And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And here's the quote. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And the writer explains in verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This everlasting Father cares enough about us to discipline us so that we might share in his holiness. And it's true that God loves us just like we are. But it's also true that he loves us too much to leave us that way. He is in the business of changing lives. God is in the business of transforming lives, and he cares about our character. My question for you today is, who is your father? Do you have a relationship with this everlasting father that is real and personal? In your heart of hearts, can you say with Tim, you know... I'd rather have a dad. The songwriter said it like this, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Is that your prayer? Jesus is the everlasting Father. He is the only way to have a relationship with the Father, and that is through him, through Jesus. You see, a lot of people think that they're children of God, but they're not. Not everybody is a child of God. Creation of God, we're loved by God. Not everyone is a child of God. In fact, in John chapter 8, Jesus told some, quote, believing Jews. I mean, these are God's chosen people. He said in verse 19 of chapter 8, John 8, you don't know me or my father. Jesus said, if you knew me, you'd know my father. Jesus said in verse 42, if God were your father, you would love me. And then on top of that, Jesus said in verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil, the father of lies. Strong words by sweet little Jesus boy, spoken to God's chosen people. You see, God is not everybody's father. I think of 1 John 4, 19, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See, just because you might say that God is your father doesn't mean he is. Just because you say you love God doesn't mean you do. Just because you've been baptized or confirmed doesn't necessarily mean that God is your father. Just because you go to church doesn't necessarily mean that God is your father. You say, Dave, I'm with Tim. You know, I really would rather have a dad. I want a relationship with God that is real, that is personal. I want God to be my father. How does that happen, Dave? John chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. It's talking about Jesus. It says, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, we become a child of God through receiving and believing. So have you ever felt a need for a dad, a forever father, one who is constant, compassionate, and caring, one who loves you so much that he sent his only son, the one who loves you and desires a relationship with you that is real and personal. Have you ever felt like that son who took the money and ran and just wound up in the pig pen, separated from his father, off in this faraway country? I invite you to come home today. I invite you to come home to a loving, compassionate, forever father who is waiting for you, who will actually run out to meet you, he will weep over you, he will hug you on the neck, he's not gonna chew you out. He's not gonna say, I told you so. Bring the best robe, he will say. Put a family ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf, let's celebrate. He will adopt you into his forever family. And that relationship will grow and develop. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that our relationship will be so close that we can call this forever father, Abba. That is the Aramaic word for saying dad or papa or daddy. I mean, wouldn't you rather have a dad? How would you like to be adopted by this everlasting father? If you would, maybe you could pray something like this in your heart. And I always use those three words, you know. I got it from the Alpha Course. I didn't know when my brother was here, he did the same thing. But it's, it's a way of, of just kind of going through the gospel through a prayer. I mean, first, you know, to come to Christ, you've got to admit that you need Christ. You need forgiveness. You've got to say, I'm sorry. Sorry about what? I haven't loved you like I should. I haven't loved you with all my heart. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. I've broken your law. You know, even if you haven't broken the law, literally, you've broken it in your heart. You know, Jesus made sure that in Matthew chapter 5. So we say we're sorry. And then we just say, thank you. Thank you, God. You made a way for me to, to be right with, with you through Jesus, through his sacrifice, that he came. You know, he was born as a baby, but he grew up to be a man. He lived the life that I can't even live. He died a death that I cannot die. I'm not perfect. I'm not the Savior. And I put all my trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross. All of my trust. I just say, thank you for the plan of salvation. And then I say, please, you know, please, 
Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I receive you. I believe. I trust. I welcome you. I hear you knocking. I commit my life to you. You can use a lot of different words, but if your heart is there, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise in the scripture. A lot of times we preachers make it too difficult. So let's do that. Let's pray. God, perhaps there's somebody here that uh, is saying with Tim Bradwish, I'd rather have a dad. They might have all the, the things in their life right now and things might be going really, really well according to the world's definition of what success is, but yet they don't know you, not personally. They know about you. They might even believe uh, certain things, but they don't put their trust in you, God. And I pray that today would be the day when they just come to you and say, God, I need you and I'm so sorry for doing it all on my own, trying to save myself, trying to live on my own power and I can't love you like I know I should. I can't even love my neighbor and I've broken your law. And I just thank you, God, that you made a way for me that Jesus, you died on the cross just for me. You loved the world so much that you gave us yourself, Lord. You, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I just say, please, come into my life, Lord. Lord, I want to be born again. I want a brand new start. I want to experience that Psalm 103 where our sins as far as the east is from the west and you just cast them into the sea of your forgetfulness, Lord. So thank you. And thank you for opportunities even to show our love through bringing you the tithe and our offerings. And right now, Lord, I pray that this would be more than just a church wanting money, Lord, that it would be an expression of love and commitment and joy, Lord, the joy of giving. So, Lord, uh, we commit our offering time to you and that you would bless uh, this offering to further your kingdom through the advancement of your word through this church and through the Gideons International. Pray that the offering on the way out of church would be such a generous one, Lord, and that your word would continue to go forth, that we could hold forth your word to a crooked and a depraved generation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.